laughing big heads Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years The shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched We're here to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup it is a Thursday, July 15th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And, uh, Will, I've decided to hub in Queensland uh, for the maybe perhaps the rest of the season. Um, uh, just being following the, the COVID notifications, I get all my news from Jaden Stevenson now. <laughs> I mean, uh, isn't it great that Jaden Stevenson... This is one of those moments where... As a Collingwood fan, there is a little bit of hope down at Collingwood. There's a bit of a vibe around the club. Trelaw out injured indefinitely at the moment. You don't know when he's going to play again. Jaden Stevenson had his best game for North Melbourne on the weekend. Racked up yeah. possessions, played like a star, and then went and went on social media and decided to weigh into COVID. Like, what, I mean, what's that, he what's should that? be out for. He should have a mandatory twelve days out with the concussion rule for just <laughs> fucking wandering into that. Because the only thing you can blame that on is a head knock. What's that thing you're talking about on Tofop milkshake, milkshake, duck, is milkshake duck? Yeah, yeah how that's, quick things that's what turn Jaden Stevenson was. He is the AFL's milkshake duck. I mean, it was just extraordinary. Like, because I watched that North West Coast game. That was apart from the Saints. Obviously, that was my favorite game of the weekend. It was such a old school shin bonus spirit victory. You know, they just looked gone three or four times when West Coast got that run on of goals and then they just dug deep. And Jaden Stevenson was incredible. Like I've sort of been peripherally aware of him, you know, maybe around the sort of 2018 period when he had that breakout year. But I was like, oh man, like North have got themselves an absolute bargain here. And then two days later... (laughs) Oh boy, North Melbourne have got themselves a public relations disaster here. I mean, for North Melbourne, it's nice to be in the headlines, I think. Yeah. Regardless of the reason, I think the social media manager at North Melbourne would be wrapped. In fact, North Melbourne, we suggested it about the Gold Coast Suns a couple of weeks ago that they should become the right-wing team of the AFL. But North Melbourne could definitely go QAnon for conspiracy. they are In the media sense, they are also an irrelevancy. And if... Like Jaden Stevenson just went like full on, just started and go, I don't reckon COVID's a big deal. It's just like flu, isn't it? I'd play anywhere, anytime. Yeah. North Melbourne. Maybe that's the direction. I mean, their mascot already looks like the mascot of like a, a, a right wing nationalist group Absolutely. anyway. Like if they were the United Patriots big front fucking or something. kangaroo. Look at this. This is a muscle bound kangaroo. A really muscly kangaroo. An anime porn kangaroo. The sort of kangaroo I imagine fucking my wife while I sit in the corner being cucked by this massive, steroided out kangaroo. The cuck kangaroo. They should just name, rename themselves to the cucking kangaroos. This kangaroo will cuck you in front of your partner. Guys, I don't think you mean that means what you think it means. Well, North Melbourne cucked West Coast Eagles. Yeah. I mean, that is. I mean, you picked it. Daisy Thomas, I've noticed, has been dining out this week on all the media shows by the fact that he picked North Melbourne to win that game. But he was not the only person who picked North Melbourne. Charlie Clawson of the Two Guys One Cup AFL podcast also should be getting some kudos for saying yeah. that North Melbourne was going to win that game. Well, I'm a bit confused because clearly my tipping, I have two schools of thought. 
One is like I tip against my team in order to get them to win. And the other one is that I go for the, the, the lock of the week, which is generally my rule of thumb with lock of the week is what is the biggest long shot. But I did have a feeling about North. Like I feel like North, I always describe them as being like a classic Aussie car, like an E.H. Holden or something like that. And I feel like that E.H. Holden was run into the ground. But David Noble took it into the shops and he's slowly been rebuilding the engine. He's just done like a ground up kind of rebuild. Yeah, he's been Got, tinkering with it. Been tinkering. I mean, Ben Cunnington is essentially, that's the that's your engine block. That's what you start with, the bloody 351 engine block, you know, just a nice... Yeah, we've got to get the old school engine back in there from the old days where they made proper engines that yes. lasted forever. Yeah, none of this plastic stuff. They got rid of their Daniel Wells or that flashy plastic stuff. Let's go back to basics. I mean, Jaden Stevenson, I, I guess, is sort of that flashy element. But because of his uh, latest outburst, I feel that can knock him down a notch or two. He's not too flashy. No, exactly. Yeah, that's why he comes cheap. Yeah. Look, you're gonna, it's worth it. We'll put him in. It's what you need. But you're going to have the occasional flashing light that you can't explain. I'm sorry. That is just Jaden Stevenson. Well, in a round of upsets, do you put more stock in? Because it's always a question of did the better team have an off day or did the worst team have a, have a good day? Do you think it's a little column A, column B? Do you think that in certain games it was one or the other? Because I sort of feel like with West Coast, I mean, they've looked shaky now for a number of weeks. Like ever since you guys bashed them up, it's like, oh, this is not the West Coast of 2018. And I mean, look, we talk about it all the time on this podcast. Opinion changes so quickly. You know, like six weeks ago, West Coast are getting all their guns back. Nick Natanui is my dominant ruckman. Now it's like, oh, they're old. Nick Natanui's been is too old. We don't know. They should start looking at you. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's opinions like... are so like, so fragile. They shift so quickly. I mean, so quickly. And it, but you do reassess through the prism of other results, right? Yeah. So the Bulldogs, for example, like the Swans, you've got to start mounting a case for the Swans because the Swans have beaten a lot of top sides. Mm. And you start to look at their side and you go, actually, maybe they do have a, a premiership vibey list because they've got that great, you know, up, upper level, older experienced dudes who are actually all starting to play good football again. You've got that middle level of, you know, sorry, the Callum Mills type players. Jake Lloyd. Oh, fuck, yeah. I know who Jake Lloyd is now <laughs> after watching that game. He's the guy who <laughs> kept getting the ball fucking everywhere. That's who Jake fucking Lloyd is. Like, that middle rung of players. And then they've got that young sort of excitement that dropped off a yeah. bit in the middle of the season, but it feels like could, like, it's rev up back. again towards the finals. Whereas the Bulldogs... We have not beaten many good teams this season. That is the story of the Bulldogs. We've lost to Melbourne. We lost to the Swans. We lost to Richmond when Richmond was still going okay. Some of our better wins, you know, Port Adelaide and West Coast, I think you're revising and going, well, yeah. maybe Port Adelaide and West Coast aren't as good as we thought we were. they were, so maybe we're not quite as good as we thought we were either. I, I, I Correct me if I'm wrong, but was there more attention on Jamara than any recent number one pick in, in, in recent memory. Because I seem like, obviously, every time a number one pick takes the ground, there's always attention, you know, Jack Watts and Michael Gardner getting bullied at the kennel and all that kind of stuff. But I went to the AFL website on Monday and they had Jamara Isocam, where you could just watch three minutes of, it was, almost, it was quite art house. It was just no commentary, no music, just three minutes of isolated camera on Jamara just running around in his first game, sort of almost getting the ball. Yeah. I mean, no ball, no other players. That's also <laughs> yeah. what would have been in there. <laughs> yeah. No possessions. 
Um, I, I, well, here's what I will say. This is incredibly interesting in Jamara because he has had that weight on his shoulders of people going, he's the next Buddy Franklin. So, mm. I mean, incredible weight because Buddy Franklin wasn't even Buddy Franklin when Buddy Franklin started. But Jamara also missed an entire season of football last year. He was one of those guys that because of COVID didn't play. He's gone into the AFL system with a boy's body and a man's game, but with all this expectation. But for the first time in a very long time, he's landed at a club that did not need to play him early, right? Like normally mm. the number one draft choice goes to like the worst team in the competition and you get sort of three or four rounds into the season and all the fans are like, well, this season's fucked. We just want to see our number one draft choice play. Whereas the Bulldogs obviously have been, you know, a top two team all season. There hasn't been that need to rush him in. And clearly, I mean, he's not ready. Like, yeah. I think what playing him on the weekend showed was, I think that game will be great for him, hopefully, which is yeah. that if he was running around in the VFL, and I don't know if he was, but if he was running around in the VFL going, I'm the number one draft choice, all these like number two and number three and number four draft choices are all playing and they're all playing quite well. Why am I not playing? Well, he played and he found out why he's not been playing. Like, yeah. he's just not he's just not big enough yet. Well, I think someone on Twitter said, you know, this is the, this is the exact uh, course of events. Is Bevo's like, he's not ready. The media's like, yeah. play him, he's ready. And then they yeah. play him. The media's oh, like, he's not ready. Why'd you, you play him? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, and I don't want to overstate this, but I, I think that you can, the way that Bevo picks teams, there is no certainty about whether you're playing. Like, yeah, good players are going in and out. Like, players like Lipinski, who I think, even Bulldogs fans are sometimes like, why why doesn't he play more often? Like, mm. But that's the way that Bevo has always done it. You've got to play multiple positions. We're going to play this mix of a team. There's a bit of me that just when Aaron Norton hurt himself, Bevo went, ah, good, here we go. I've got an opportunity to play him. On the upside, maybe he will step up a level and he'll show that he belongs there and that's great. But more likely what's going to happen is he's going to go out there and he's going to find out he's not quite up to the level. We'll send him back to the VFL and he'll get ready for next season, which I think is I, exactly what will happen. I would be interested to know, you know, this is probably a Sir Swamp Thing kind of stat, but in for a number one draft pick, who had the best debut game for a number one draft pick? Because the ones I remember are the ones which go the Jamara way, like Jack Watts getting bullied by Collingwood, you know, Michael Gardner getting bullied by the Bulldogs. More often than not, it feels like because they are the number one pick, the opposition's like, all right, let's get physical with this kid and welcome him to the big time. I mean, he could have kicked two goals in the first quarter and then he has a very different day. Like there was one handball that almost went to him and one where he was in a position where he could he just didn't quite get there. He couldn't like, dribble it, yeah. Do you mean like uh, you kick two goals in the first quarter, you never know how the rest of your day goes. But yeah. he missed those opportunities and then he could not get into the swing of it. I don't think it's a problem. Like, I don't think there's any panic around it. You can see no. he moves beautifully and, like, he's built to be an AFL footballer and with another preseason, like, you'd be excited about seeing him play next year. Yeah, and also, like, you got Tom McCartan on him who, if he's not their number one defender, he's, you know, one of their top two key Backman, like, and he's a big, solid dude. The McCartans, they they breed him big down out that way, and so. Well, this is why I think there was a little lesson in what Bevo did, like, because if he really wanted to give him a soft opening, he would have played him against some team that didn't have like half a dozen dominant backmen. Like, there's no (laughs) way when you're playing against Sydney that there's no dud. Like, you can get the worst Sydney backman, and it's still one of the top ten AFL backmen. (laughs) Now, well, you mentioned last week. 
that Richmond, like Mike Myers or Jason Voorhees, uh, yeah. is the is the is the is the monster you have to make sure is dead. You've got to put a slug in between their eyes to make sure they're not coming back. Was the loss to Collingwood? Was that the slug between the eyes? Well, uh, no, not, not uh, well, uh, maybe, but I'm not willing to turn my back on the monster and go. Let's get back to the party. <laughs> I feel like even if everybody else is going back to the party. If it's cool with you guys, I'm just going to stay here and keep my one eye on the monster just to make sure that the monster is... You guys go and have a good time. You enjoy your, your idea that the Richmond aren't going to be in the finals because here's all I'll say is, if the f- final post credit scene of this story that is playing out is Richmond one eye opening and finding themselves in eighth position <laughs> and being in the eight, then suddenly the other seven teams are shit scared of what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird. It was a weird game. I've seen Collingwood play two weeks in a row now because they played the Saints the week before, and it was almost a carbon copy of how that game went, where Collingwood were just looked like rudderless for three quarters, and then in the last quarter, like, oh yeah, we actually can play. You know, Jordan Degoe realizes that he used to be, you know, ranked in the top five players on the ground, and when they came about, it was interesting to sort of see. Richmond used to have that thing of extra gears, but now it doesn't. It seems like. They can get if they get their hands around your throat early, then there's a chance that they can just keep you there. Choke you but out. They, yeah, but they don't seem to they don't seem to be able to go. Well, at least in the last four weeks, they don't seem to be able to go to those next levels. And they have a number of injuries, and there's a bunch of reasons why. But I do wonder if it's that psychological thing where, you know, what are they chasing now? Like it's a, what a fourth a fourth flag. It's like oh, I don't know. Running's hard. Chasing's hard. Doing the one percent is hard. All I want to see is Richmond keep losing because I want to see the escalation in Trent Cotchin's behaviour. Trent Cotchin <laughs> will take a knife out onto the field and stab the opposite captain at the coin toss by like round 19 if they keep losing. It is interesting, isn't it? Like I'd never really taken note of his physicality as a player. I never really thought of him as being like, like it's a very Joel Selwood-esque in a way, isn't it? It's kind of that thing if he will just go right up to that line. If he's going to lay a tackle, he's going to sneak a little fist into the ribs or, or whatever. But he's either just not disguising it as well now or he doesn't give a shit. Like maybe he thinks, ah, oh, i got one or two years left. Let's go out the bang. He's gotten all hodgy. I mean, maybe... I mean, the Cotchins have had a bit of a rough time during the lockdown. It's been documented. There's been some social media stuff and like, you know, relationships with coaches and stuff like that. Is there a chance that this, he's just got a bit more pent-up aggression this season. Like some shit's been going wrong. There's been some extra attention. There's been away from home. There's been some like, you know, the kids have been, I think there was like one of his kids was a bit sick at some stage. And like, so mm. maybe he's just, there is just a bit more that he's not getting out in the usual ways he would get out and about. And so he's just going to take that out on opposition players' guts. Well, it's kind of funny, isn't it, with Richmond because – when they were bullying teams, like they were physical, but you wouldn't necessarily say they were dirty or they were enforcers or whatever. They were just like, they would just hit contests hard. Like it's interesting when you look at Dustin Martin, like if you were to see Dustin Martin on the street and you said, Hey, do you reckon that guy's tough? Do you reckon he's like a a rough dude? You'd be like, Oh yeah, for sure. Look at the neck tats, but he doesn't actually play like that. You don't see Dustin Martin doing like elbows and punches and stuff like that. He very rarely gets into, I mean, he's beyond that. That's what the don't argue is. The don't argue is, Tell it to my hand. Literally, mate. I can't even be bothered. I am going to run away from you with the ball and I'm just going to put you on the ground with my other hand. How about that? 
<laughs> but do you know do you know what I mean? Like they they were never really a team that relied on no. kind of like when the the Bulldogs of like the late 90s when they were all about, hey, let's scratch people in the eyes and shit like that. Like we're going to bring you down to our level. We're going to drag you into the gutter. Richmond were more like we're just going to hit contests harder. But now it feels like, oh, they're going to the bull- late Bulldogs of the late 90s tactics. I want to say, again, because it does feel like Trent Cotchin is the one in particular who just seems to be ramping up the like snipey acts. Probably in an effort to inspire his team, I'm sure. So <laughs> I, I want him to go a step further. I want him to like classic bully style. Like when the opposition are walking in with their bags, he just like walks up to them and knocks their bags on the ground. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like just, yeah. just not even oh. like just walks by, but like knocks their bag out of it just onto the ground and then just turns around like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> How about this? How about the AFL changes the rules and makes it permissible you can apply three bully attacks on your opponent. You can give him a typewriter, you can give him a Chinese burn, or you can give him a dead leg. You won't get weeks for it, but you can. But your team has to nominate beforehand. What do you think the Bulldogs are going for? Who do, who do you think would apply one of those techniques the best? I mean, oh, with the typewriter, is there also a spitting into the mouth, or is it just the typewriter? Okay, because that was that was that that so, was the tree on top of the typewriter. Because sometimes you get a typewriter, and then that also spit in your open mouth. So hang on, we've got typewriter and spit in your open mouth. We've got yeah, ch- the Chinese burn. I'm not sure we can call it the Chinese burn anymore. By the way, okay, I feel like we'll that's call it the inappropriate the skin burn. We'll call it the forearm burn. Yeah, the forearm burn, and then uh, what was the third one? Uh, third one was dead leg, which is just a dead corky, leg. which probably most players deal with most games anyway. So maybe that's maybe is there another bully attack that we can use? It's not a dead leg. What about a noogie? Where you just like, uh, can we say noogie? <laughs> I, don't I, don't know think, so. I think so. I've never considered it to be an offensive term before, but now that you've said it out loud, it, it sounds wrong. Two thoughts. I'd prefer we did it. <laughs> okay. Well, a scone. We it's also been called sconing, where you get the okay. middle knuckle out and you rub rub it on someone's skull. All right. So what 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 are you what are the bulldogs going with? I think this is a great opportunity for Tim English to utilise the height that he has on the field, but add some physicality to these games. So I'm going to say this scone. Yeah, right. I feel like, you know, he's got the height advantage, the reach advantage to just be able to scone people, but he doesn't really have that physical advantage yet. So I think it plays to his strengths. It opens up his game, but also opens up his character because I feel like he embraces the identity of scones. So, like, you know, you see Tim, Tim English. Like, His name's Tim English. It's right. in the name. I mean, it's scones. He doesn't even call it sconing you. It's sconing you. It, it makes a lot of sense. And then, like, post-game, like, while all the other players are, like, you know, having some energy bars and some fruit, he's just there eating some scones. Like, I feel like this is a good opportunity for Tim. I think St Kilda, because we have such a dominant ruck combo with mm. Ryder and Marshall, and they are big body guys, that's perfect for a typewriter. Because mm. if you get Paddy Ryder like kneeling on your shoulders, putting you down, and those big hands he's got, once he sort of gets to the end of the page and he has to slap the typewriter to get to the next page, to get to the next line, that's going to hurt. So I think the Saints would definitely go with a typewriter. Spitting oh, optional. I- I mean, again, this is opening it up, but if we're spitballing ideas, because of course, oh, we should announce Charlie and I are replacing Steve Hocking on the AFL rules committee, so <laughs> all this is binding for what will happen next season. Um, I'd like to see Mighty Ducks Bash Brothers style, oh, Rowan, yeah. Marshall, Rowan Marshall and Paddy Ryder going to town on someone. 
Yeah. That that's what I want to see. Oh, like a dual typewriter. So one's yeah. holding them down and the other one's doing the typing. <laughs> yeah, or someone's doing the typing and one's spitting in the mouth. <laughs> either either combo. Um, did you see the Saints game? I did see the Saints game. Boy, Secure, oh isn't this boy. an interesting thing? So I would argue in this round, St. Kilda are a better team than the Bulldogs are, which is probably the first time for the season that we, you would have said that. But I just thought they were, they've remembered what they are, Charlie. Like well, they've found it, their DNA. Here's what it is. Here's what I, I, I think it is, is that we don't actually have a lot of depth. Our starting like 18 or our you know best 22 are pretty good, but it drops off a cliff. And it's also the players that we've had out this year – it's not like in, you know, Sydney seemed to have a lot of like-for-like like kind of players. Like you lose a half-back flanker, get a half-back flanker. The players we've had out, like, you know, Gresham and Zach Jones and stuff, we don't have immediate replacements for. We specifically mm. traded in those guys because they offer us something that we don't have. And so when those players were gone, Marshall especially, the Marshall and Ryder thing, because I was at first I was like, oh, is this a really bad sign that, you know, I think the statistic is we've, you know, won five out of six when they play and we've lost, you know, whatever it is. Um, but then it's like, but they're good players and good players are hard to find and you play better when you have your best players. And I think it's just a combination. It's of- interesting, isn't it? They say that squads win premierships, but technically if you could just, like you said, St Kilda's best 18, 21, are as good as any other teams in the competition. It's just when players drop out. If you could just get all your best players to play at the same time, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is an, um, I was thinking about being a Saints supporter. I was like, what a season of, you're never bored. That's the one thing I'll say about him. Like, I, I still think that maybe we won't make the finals just because of our percentage is so bad. And we have a, I think we're still playing four top eight teams on the run home, but you're not going to die wondering, you know what I mean? They're going to keep you glued right to the very end. Even if it is like, I always think about the, the, the 2009 season and they released you know back when dvds were a thing they sent all the members like a compilation of highlights from the 2009 season and it's that's when we won like 16 games in a row barnstormed into the finals and then there's just this muted ending where they don't even really show the grand final and that's like st kilda to a t it's like what a season this is amazing on the charge of the finals and you know what let's just not turn to the last chapter (laughs) let's just forget that last bit ever happened all i will say is if they they have to do so much to make it that if they make it, they could win it. Mm. That's all I will say. Like if they made a charge to the finals, they have to beat enough good teams on the way for you to go into the finals thinking, "Oh shit, we could probably beat any of these teams in the form we're in." Like, yeah, you're, it doesn't you're mean not gonna, that it will happen, but yeah, it means if it does happen, you're in a good position. You're not going to be under any illusions. Like potentially, even if you're a Melbourne or someone and you have an easy run in, it's like, well, you know, we racked those wins up early in the season. Do we still have it in the tank or whatever? St Kilda will be battle-hardened. And I also reckon, I wrote on Twitter, if we don't make the finals, I'll be content with us bashing up a few contenders on the way. Like we've got Geelong, we've got Port, we've got West Coast. So even if we don't win all those games, if we just scare a few teams, like I would really love to beat Geelong because we're playing them at GMHBA. If we can beat Geelong and Geelong, I'll take that. If we don't make finals, that's the one game I want to win. And by the way, you've also got to applaud whoever this guy is who murdered Luke Dunstan and assumed his identity. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Like old Duke Lunston, who's wandered back into the first and suddenly just like realized that he is, I mean, as you said, he's always been 
a footballer at the next level down could play the way that he's playing in the AFL. But the fact that he is now consistently playing that way in the AFL has made a big difference to your team. Well, well, the other thing about him is that when he, he was a top 20 draft pick and he was the captain of like the South Australian juniors, whatever representative side he played for. And I think that one thing we've really lacked this year is leadership and having him in the midfield with Steele and Jack Steele, by the way, that last quarter, 15 possessions, like four marks, two goals. He, he racked up more stats in one quarter than most players get in a game. So those but, two in the... But that's also Dunstan. I mean, not just Dunstan. Yeah, no. Clearly it's Jack Steele. Dunstan Steel, allows like, him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it'll be interesting because he's out of contract now. So it'll be interesting to see, like you never negotiate a contract when a player is in white hot form. But at the same time, because if, re- if you believe Tom Morris, St Kilda said to him at the start of the year, you won't be playing seniors. Like, enjoy your times at the Zebras. <laughs> You're not going to be playing seniors. If that's I mean, true... That, if that's true, that seems Who said that? Bold. Like, don't, don't say that. That feels like too bold a proclamation to make to somebody at the start of the season. Tom Morris swears by it because he had a lot of people come at him, coming at him on Twitter. And he, I, I like Tom Morris, and I think he's fairly honest as a journalist. Like he's, yeah. he's admitted when he's got things wrong, but he didn't back down from this statement. And it feels like there has been a lot of leaks at St Kilda. There's a lot of people going to the press, like with the Seb Ross Tim Membry thing when they wanted to go home for their families and stuff. Someone is picking up the phone to the journalist and saying, "Hey, guess what? <laughs> You'll never believe this." You know, the irony of all this is, though, because St Kilda's have had, you know, they had the president writing an apology letter to everybody and they had, <laughs> you know, the players want to go home and it all felt like a basket case. But post the apology and the players going home, they've been nothing but in white hot form. So isn't the argument the opposite? That, like, maybe it just needed a couple of circuit breakers to, you know, have them reassess. Like, maybe it's a good thing that the players went home. Maybe it's a good thing that the president wrote an apology letter because it made them like shake out what they were doing and they've actually been able to turn it around much quicker than anyone thought. Well, I heard some commentary around that Adelaide loss, 36 points up and losing that calamitous, probably the worst loss of the year. And someone said, this is actually probably the best thing that could happen to the club because if we'd won that, you know, we sort of maybe get into the finals or whatever, but you get a, you're papering over the cracks. You're not really addressing what needs to be done. But since that loss, Obviously, something has changed, training standards. If you believe Caroline Wilson, and who knows, that she reckons that, you know, the major complaint at St Kilda was just players weren't up to scratch with their training and attitude and application of, you know, all the kind of football-related things. And that's changed. But I don't know. I mean, can you do that overnight? I mean, does one victory then sort of like galvanise a group? We beat Richmond and that galvanises the group. Then everyone's training standards lifts? Yes. Does it? Probably. Well, I guess you want to get into a winning team. And so all of a sudden you've got to like start, you know, impressing the coach. I mean, the, the other thing is that it's also our, our B-level players, like guys like Daniel McKenzie and Ryan Burns and Leo Connolly, who, you know, played under 20 games. They're all playing really well. And that's always the sign that your team's on the right track because you can rely on Jack Steele and Paddy Ryder every week. But it's when those guys, I mean, Daniel McKenzie... And Luke Dunstan, if you'd asked me at the start of the year, I would have said they're never going to play a senior game. Yeah. Maybe I was the guy. You'd be like, see you at the bloody Zebras. That's why yeah. I bloody see you. Enjoy your season there. You're losers. But, so if you're, all right, so if, if you're the Saints, um, like who negotiates the contracts? Who, is that the, the footy operations officer or whatever? Simon Lethlane. Simon Lethlane, right? So let's, let's just say. So you've got, this, you've got this player who has you know, fought his way back into the side. 
when when and how do you engage contract negotiations? Do you wait for the end of the season? Do you give his manager a call now? I mean, you've got to see if there's other interests yet. So if you're Luke, like Luke Dunson's, yes, has been playing, like he's played six good games in a row. And, you know, but I wouldn't have thought that there's other teams necessarily already going, um, we're going to offer Luke Dunstan like a huge amount of money yet. If he keeps doing it to the end of the season, he gets them in the finals, then yeah, absolutely. So are you saying you could get in now, there is a potential that the price could even go further up as this season goes on. Okay, so yeah, let's put that on the table as one of the options. St Kilda go on a run, and for St Kilda to have to go on a run, Dunstan continues to rack up late 25 to 35 games, plays awesome football, ends up probably top five in the best and fairest at the Saints. Might mm. win the thing, but like, you know, at least like would be, you know, in the sort of sort of top five. Yeah, his price could go up. And that's what I'd be saying if I was Luke Dunstan's manager, manager. <laughs> trying to get them to sign a contract right now. I've, I've been speculating about how much more money you can make. Well, I wonder, I just wonder how much of it comes across, like how much ego or, you know, um, emotions play a part in this. Because uh, let's say that Tom Morris is correct and he was told, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. like, you know, get ready for a year in the seconds. And that would have hurt someone like him. He's a proud guy. He was a you know former captain of the South Australian side. So do you think that the Saints going to him and performing a mere culpa affects his decision in any way? Hey, look, you know, we're just so impressed with what you've done. And, you know, hey, it was a trick, Luke. We told you you'd play in the second, so you would behave well done. And it was a test and you passed. Yeah, I think that is exactly – I'd lean into it, definitely. Yeah. Well, you're, best, you're playing the best football you've ever played, so – Thanks, so thanks fact, to us. No, I think in those situations, what you've got to do, if you want to use that approach, is you, on the day that you invite Luke Dunstan into the office and you say, hey, enjoy your year down at the, the twos. We're not going to play any of the seniors all year. But right now, I'm going to hand you an envelope. And one day during this season, I'm going to ask you to open that envelope. But please don't open the envelope until I ask you. And so then you invite him into the office. You say, bring the envelope. And he says, well, what about when you told me I was only going to play in the seconds? Fuck you guys. I'm going to go and play for someone else. And you lean across and you go, open the envelope. And he opens up the envelope and it says, see? (laughs) I was only joking. So you're saying you're Lawrence Lung him? I've seen Lawrence Lung do that in his stand-up show. He makes a prediction before the show. We get Lawrence Lung in. Lawrence is now negotiating all the contracts. And not only that, I can guess your pin number. St. Kilda affiliated magician and illusionist. (laughs) Look, I would love uh, uh, us to hang on to him for sure, but... Then the other thing you've got to ask is, okay, so what happens when, I mean, Hanabry's just started playing twos again. Gresham will come back. Uh, you know, we've got a few players to come back from injury. Hunter Clark's not on the side. Nick Caulfield's not on the side. It might be just a team balance thing. I mean, it's it's a hard one because he's in a hot vein of form, but he's done that in the past as well. You know, it's like, how do you know that this is the new Luke Dunstan? Well, what you do is you invite he and... Uh Hanabry into the negotiation together. <laughs> Give them an envelope. Side by side. And you say, uh, Luke, we're going to pay you $400,000 a year. And Luke's like, that's not enough. And he goes, well, no. Uh, Daniel, we're going to honor your contract and pay you the $800,000 a year or whatever we're paying you. And on the uh, f- uh, every Thursday of every fortnight when your payment comes through, here's what you're going to do. 
uh, Hannah's, you're going to take $200,000 out of your bank account <laughs> and you're going to take it over in a brown paper bag to this dude's place. I have seen some like optimistic Saints supporter, supporters, you know, disappointed with the Hanbury trade, actually bring that up seriously, where they'll say like, mm. Hanbury should donate the last year of his salary back to the club, you know, they've, they've supported him through his rehab, and it's like, do you understand how like prof- like careers and professional footballers they have such a limited lifespan? Has there ever been a time when a when a footballer's gone? You know what? You're right. I haven't lived up expectations. <laughs> Here's the last year of my contract. You can have it back. Well, how about a compromise? Right. Dan Hanbury says, I am willing to donate back $200,000 of my salary for you to give it to Luke Dunstan. But in return, Luke Dunstan needs to be my personal assistant. Yeah. Anytime I want to go to the shops, he has to yeah. like dr- drive me there. <laughs> he's, got, he's got to be the Brody <laughs> Grundy. <laughs> to my Trey, uh, what's his name? Trey, Trey Rusco. Trey. Rusco. He's gonna be he's gonna be Brody gonna do my trade Rusco. Yeah. I think so, he'd do it. Yeah. I what what do you would he just be a professional footballer at the moment, Luke Dunstan? I assume he's just yeah. like he probably doesn't have a side job. Yeah, I think do you reckon I think he studies. He, no, I think he actually works with the women's team. The he he's like an assistant coach on the Saints AFLW team as well. So Okay. All right. Well maybe they just overly inflate his assistant. Personal coaching. trainer. Maybe maybe he is a Dan Hanbury's driver and trainer, or I'll just like um, what you, like a like an odd jobs kind of guy. Like he's part of his entourage. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. That's what him. I'm saying. That he's kind yeah. of like my turtle, but for a year he has to be my turtle. <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah, I think definitely, definitely. Uh, Will, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. The uh, pocket profile pocket. And uh, I know we've already done this, Tim. It's very hard. By the way, if uh, listeners out there want to send in some suggestions, I know a few of you have, but um, I've been combing the interwebs for uh, pocket profiles, and I I think we've done most of them. So um, I know there probably won't be that many crowds going to the footy this weekend, but if you do go, just take a snap of the the pocket profile in the record and send it over. Um, But I have found one from Collingwood. I know we've done Trey Rusco in the past, but we're going to have to go back to the Collingwood well with someone that I was interested to know more about, uh, Darcy Moore. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, I'm into this. And just as a side note, do you remember that game um, that we went to, the Saints-Collingwood, where we were sitting behind – who's Darcy Moore's dad? What's his name again? Roger Moore. <laughs> I, couldn't, I honestly couldn't. No, it's Kelvin Moore, right? <laughs> no, it's not Kelvin Moore. I What's know he? what it is, and I'm going to let Peter you keep guessing. Yes, is it Peter correct. Moore? Right, yeah. So yeah. I still, I say that, but I still don't even know who he I wouldn't know what year he played or or what position or what kind of football what year, he was. Or what year he won the Brownlow medal? He won, he's a Brownlow medalist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting behind old Peter Moore, and I'm yeah. giving it some. I, I don't know. I don't know who Darcy Moore is. I don't know who Peter Moore is. And I'm giving a little Darcy, young Darcy, <laughs> some stick. And you were very quiet. <laughs> and I couldn't work out why you weren't joining in, or at least laughing at my hilarious zingers. And then you said to me afterwards, you know, you were sitting behind the dad. That footballer you were just abusing, his dad was sitting just in front of you. His Brownlow medalist AFL legend father was sitting in front of us. Well, I apologize, Peter. I apologize for not knowing who you are and all your son was, but we're going to know a bit more. I had a Darcy. very nice chat to Peter that day. He was a very oh, delightful you? human being, I will say. Before yeah, or after I abused you? I pretended I didn't know you. 
<laughs> I waited to you for you to go and get some chips or something, and then I had a chat to him. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Um, Saints won that game, just uh, quietly. Anyway. Uh, Darcy Moore. Um, okay, you know what number he is? Just as a little, just a oh, little absolutely does, not. I don't know. Doesn't count. You know, I don't know any other any players' numbers. Um, okay. He wears double digits. I'm gonna, oh, double digits. Okay, du- uh, double 20, digits. Higher. Oh, 30 something. It's thirty. It's exactly you hit it right on the head. Thirty. Yeah. It's either he's the number because 30 he was or a he's big 30 fan of the of TV show 30 something, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. When we get to favorite TV show, 30 something. 30 Rock, I believe, was his favorite show. Oh, yeah, big, that's right. Big Sorry, Les very, much more modern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his dad's favorite show, 30 something. <laughs> that's why he didn't like me very much. Um, okay. Uh, okay. A nickname. Uh, I'll make it easy for you. As Jennifer Lopez is to JLo, Darcy Moore is. Uh, Demo? No, Demore. Oh, Demore. Demore, Demore, Demi Moore. Demore. Um, as a kid, what did he want to be? A uh, pretty common answer for a kid. If you look at him, you could, I mean, if he, if he, yeah, if, if you a look at the way. Not a Not an athlete. Completely oh. different, but definitely in the public sphere. An actor? No. A rock plays singer. a bit like this. A rock star. He he wanted to be a rock star. Okay. This is a fairly easy one. What was the team he followed as a kid? Uh, well, I'm <laughs> going to say the Collingwood Football Club. I'm going to have a little punt and say Collingwood. You'd be correct. Imagine if he didn't. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd love it. And then just hates the fact that he has to play for them. He's like, I chose to not support this team, and now here I am because some sort of antiquated father-son rule starts walking against it. Hires a lawyer. I mean, the year that Collingwood have had that would not surprise me if Darcy Moore just came out and was like, like Britney Spears wanted to be emancipated from the father-son rule that took him to Collingwood. We should start hashtag Free Darcy. He's got Stockholm syndrome. We've got to get him out of the place. Hashtag Free Darcy. Um, okay. The best player he's played with. This guy came to Collingwood from another club fairly late in his career um, and was known for his silky skills. Uh, Ken Collingwood later in his career known for his silky Injury, skills. Injury prone, but known for silky skills. Uh, Daniel Wells. Daniel Wells. Uh, and for bonus points, why was he the best player that he played with? Um, because of his silky Sp- skills. Mm, yeah, a, a, spe- a specific skill. Uh, oh, the, he was. Uh, um, he'd had one of his ribs removed so that he could give himself. <laughs> no, hang on, no, that's not it. Um, <laughs> is it about his delivery to him as like for marks or something? Like, he was a spectacular kick of the football. Yeah. Um, Jack Lacocious, uh po- po- previous pocket profile pocket, uh, isn't a spectacular kick of the football. He is an amazing kick. I know not much in personality stakes, but boy, is he a great kick. Or oh, we should also, before we go on, let's just talk about the Suns for a second. I can't believe we missed that one. What a win. The fantastic. Poor old Alex Williams. <laughs> I was texting with him at the time. I mean, GWS have fucking cocked up some games this season, haven't they? North I mean, particularly when they have had such opportunity to play the finals like 
there's so much about the season that you're just like, I oh, know there's a lot to like about this, and then they give you something not to like about it. Yeah, uh, they've just yeah, it's been a season of almost. I'm not writing them off, but I mean, I wrote off Leon Cameron at the start of the year, then I was like, you know what, maybe safe. Now I'm like, all right, Leon Cameron gets one more year. That's what I think. That's where they're at now. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. But the Suns, yeah, right. I mean, here, here come the Suns. We love it. I'm, I do I'm, love it. And, and Matt Rowe kicking the goal to sort of make scores even, just like did, had a pretty quiet day, but then it snapped that one out of the pack. I Look, like you mentioned last week, Stuart Jew, it's all about Stuart Jew for me. Anything that means we get more Stewie Jew, I am all for. Yeah, I, he cannot be replaced just because they have some better offer. Hashtag Jew process. That's I'm starting that one as well. <laughs> okay. Hashtag free Darcy and hashtag Jew process. Uh, back to the, po- the, the pocket profile. Okay. <clears throat> Who is his all-time favourite player? Um, I mean, this guy is an ornament to the game. If I say he's a controversial figure, uh, uh, it's 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 unfortunate that he's a controversial. He should not. He should not be a controversial figure. Oh, he's a controversial figure who should not be a controversial figure. He is an ornament to the game. Yes. Um, Oh. Played multiple positions, won lots of awards. Grand finalist, um, mo- uh, won, played in two winning grand finals. You'll kick played yourself. In, played in two winning grand finals, played in all sorts of positions on the field. Yeah. Gary, Gary no, Ablett? No. Has had two documentaries made about him in the past five years. <laughs> Hey, has had two documentaries made about him in the past five years. Oh, Adam Goods. Adam Goods. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, controversial figure, but shouldn't be controversial, right? Yeah, that threw me a little bit because I... Yeah. The thinking, clue makes complete... Who's he punched? The, I was <laughs> yeah. like, the clue makes complete sense now, yeah. but, like, it, it threw me. Yeah, good. That's the point of my clues. <laughs> my clues actually do the opposite of what a clue is actually meant to do by definition. Well, you know, your clues look good as clues in retrospect. Once you know the answer, you can understand the clue. But it is very hard to deduce the answer from just the clue. Um, who is the first player you would choose in fantasy football? Beloved pl- uh, player for this podcast in a regular fixture from day one. Um, oh, from day one on the on yeah. the podcast. We talk um, about him a lot. Jeez. Oh, I, mean, I don't feel like I'm getting a really good sense of no. Darcy Moore at the moment. I feel like I'm... My I clues not, aren't helping. No, because like literally your clue is someone we talk about a lot in this podcast, which for me should be a good clue, but I'm drawing a blank on who... Is it Nat Five? That's Nat Five. Uh, what is his preferred grand final time slot? By the way... Just on Nat Five, mm. some whispers from the West. We haven't done whispers from the West for a while, but there's oh, yeah. been some whispers from the West about a new romance that might be developing in Nat Five's life. I saw that, um, but has, has that been confirmed, or is this is it still in the whisper category? No, this is definitely a whisper from the West. Right. The, their friendship has been confirmed. Like oh. they've been friends apparently for a while, and th- th- somebody dug up. So it's Elise Perry, the um, incredible Australian sportswoman. You know, played for Australia both in football, you know, soccer, and also is you know one of the greatest uh, female cricketers of all time, Elise Perry. And um, apparently, they did some like 
product launch or photo shoot or something together years ago when uh, Nat was still fe- stepping out with his you know, previous misses, mm. and he was asked by one of the reporters if you couldn't take um, your, your misses to the Brownlow, who would you take? And he goes, is it all right if I take Elise Perry? So Ooh. how did his girlfriend this, feel about that? That's well, a, that's this, a shit this, question. I'm going to say this would also be when she was, yeah. If you could break up any marriage of anybody currently in a sporting marriage, who would you pick? Elise Perry? Um, they may just be friends, is, right. is what I'm saying. They may just be two people who are in a friendship. And men and women can be friends, despite what Bill, Billy Crystal said in the opening scenes of When Harry Met Sally. Um, what's his preferred grand final time slot? Day, night, mm. twilight. This is uh, this is the real bellwether, I reckon, in these pocket profiles. This lets me know if you're dialed in. Okay, I'll, I'll walk you through my thought process and see okay. if it helps. So, he's a younger fella, and I imagine he's a bit of a modern fella, wanted to be a rock star. I think he could see the appeal of having like a night or a twilight grand final for that reason. So, I'll give you a clue just, and say you're on the you're on the right path. So, rule out okay. day. All right, so I'm going to rule out Day because my argument for Day would have been maybe how influential is his dad? Is his dad a bit of a traditionalist when it comes around a Day grand final? Maybe he's grown up in a household, you know, but okay. All right, so it's between Twilight and Night grand final. I think generally the players tend to say Twilight rather than Night, so I'm going to say Twilight. And you'd be bang on the money. I like it. You're getting in the mind of Darcy Moore. Good, good, good. That was the steadier you needed. You had a few misses. All right. You, you max kinged it. You've had yeah. five shots on goal, missed four, but you nailed this one. Okay. Who would you like to see is the halftime entertainment? Um, my clue for this would be uh, if Frio were playing, they would approve this choice. Tame Impala. Tame Impala. Uh, his favorite AFLW player is Shani Norder. If he wasn't a footballer, what would you like to be? Now, this answer... It's a, I don't know if it's necessarily a joke, but it's kind of like, it, again, it's something a kid might say. In fact, if uh, if his father was in fact Roger Moore, <laughs> a spy, a spy, <laughs> is James Bond a spy or is he just? Is that technically James Bond's occupation? Yeah, he's a secret agent. 007. So a secret agent is a spy. No, you know what? Well, it might be one of those things within. The community, there might be some demarcation, but in essence, is a secret agent a spy? Yes. It's a spy like, movie. James Bond movies but, are spy movies, yeah. But I think sometimes, like, it, probably like any industry, there's always like, yeah, but you, you can say you're a doctor, but you're a doctor of literature. I'm an actual doctor. I can save someone's <laughs> life. Um, your favorite question, what makes you laugh? Carl Barron. <laughs> That's not Carl Barron. Uh, it's Callum Brown's um, jokes. Is, is it? Callum Brown. Okay. jokes are. Yeah. So, um, did I get the initials right then? So, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, I'll give you half a point for getting the initials right. That's the new rules. <laughs> Describe yourself in one word. Um, so, this characteristic is, I would say, would be considered by most people to be a, a negative. It's a confrontational. Um, it's a confrontational uh, trait. Oh, okay. Um, argumentative? Argumentative, exactly. I mean, well done on hitting the specific. Cause I, yeah, well done. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, what did you learn? I mean, seeing, I'm starting to put some things together. I think we might be onto something about emancipating Darcy Moore. He wants his dad, he wants a Twilight Grand Final. He's argumentative. I think that maybe 
Maybe he does want to break away from Collingwood. Hashtag free Darcy. <laughs> I'm on board, clearly. What did you learn about yourself during COVID? Uh, that I need uh, alone time. That I can masturbate a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can masturbate more than anybody else. That's why I have to wear the headband. Uh, no, he likes playing a specific video game. I know you're not a video game guy, but why don't you just throw out some names of video games you've heard? Red Dead Redemption. Nope. Um, was a movie uh, with Michael Fassbender. Uh, it was a movie with Michael Fassbender. Um, X-Men... Origins. <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Uh, what's the biggest thing Darcy missed during Hub Life? Uh, his dog. No. It's more of a... More of a... More of a it, um, what's the word? It's more of a... More of a... Uh, Activity or something? No. It's more of a concept. It's a state of being. Space. Space. Solitude and personal space. No, he missed going to space. He was going to go with Richard Branson. <laughs> He said, Richard Branson came to me and said, you know where the furthest place from Collingwood is? Space. And I can take you there. What's the thing he enjoyed most about Hub Life? Um, and this um, would be something that you, you people may or may not enjoy about going on holiday, like a family holiday somewhere, going to a holiday house. Um, family getaway, family holiday. You do this a lot. Okay, so the drop. Indoors. The, oh, okay. Playing cards? Close. Playing board games. Okay. Um, who was the biggest pest during Hub Life? And this is, uh, I would not have picked this, um, but this guy's a veteran, veteran at Collingwood, came from another club. Uh, Highly questioned at the time about why they drafted him. He had, And then he had a good season and, and has since dropped away again. Um, oh, I was going to say Jordan Ruffhead, but he's no. not really dropped away again. No, um, uh, he's a West Australian. Uh, Stephen Maine. <laughs> is that no, Chris what's his Maine's name? brother? Chris Maine. Sorry, Chris Maine. <laughs> Stephen Maine. Who's Stephen Maine? From Crikey. That old that guy who used to go to like meetings and be a, a serial pest at people's <laughs> shareholder meetings. Stephen Maine. Uh, why, uh, why was Chris Maine an, uh, a pest? Um, he would always steal Darcy Moore's curlers. <laughs> he was grumpy and always complaining. Yeah, yeah. Um, funniest teammate during Hub Life? Uh, Callum Brown. Callum Brown? Because he... Because... Of his shit rig. His stupid <laughs> undies. Or whatever he, it was. He buys funny things. Okay. Read into that what you learn. Magic um, mushrooms? What's... <laughs> what's the first place you want to visit after restrictions are lifted? Uh, and is it a holiday destination? Yeah, it is. It's not like a sunny holiday destination, and probably you'll be getting there sooner than most other places when things are. Uh, oh, uh, Tasmania. No, international. New Zealand. New Zealand. That's an interesting answer, isn't it? Normally it's Hawaii or Bali, but uh, New Zealand. It's interesting. Yeah, favorite, I like that. Favorite sporting event you'd like to attend. And this is, I think it's, this is the first time this has ever been mentioned. It's a Grand Prix, but what, what country is Grand Prix? The Monaco Grand Prix. Singapore. Uh, what is a talent you wish you had? Uh, this relates to one of his earlier questions. 
Our earlier answers? Uh, singing. Singing. What's the last TV series you binged on? Um, this was a big hit a few years ago. I don't, I don't know if they're still making it. Um, Claire Danes was the star of? Oh, oh True Blood? Homeland. Oh. I get, no, you, uh, you confused Anna, Anna, Anna Paquin. And, yes. Yeah, I, I yeah. get that. Easy mistake to make. <laughs> Same kind of face. I get it. Um, okay. Three famous people you'd like to meet, and LeBron James is not one of them. Uh, they're all alive. One is a huge pop star slash hip-hop star. One is a uh, comedian, was huge comedian, still very famous comedian, um, uh, but maybe sort of... Oh, he's still a comedian. He does a lot of stuff. Like he's he's branched into sort of wellness. And then uh, last one is a female actress, English. Joe Rogan? Wrong. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Okay. Uh, Russell huge, Brand. Huge pop um, hip-hop star. So Drake? In the same milieu, um, would be one Jay-Z? of Jay Z. In the same milieu, <laughs> he's probably the next one you're going to name, I'd imagine. Kanye, Kanye, and then female actress, English, English. Um, it's probably been like a she's been a she's been a heartthrob for she's been she's a child actor and she's an adult now. Been a heartthrob for a long time. Especially Darcy's, someone of Darcy's yeah. age. Emma, sure. Watson, Emma or, Watson or Dame Judi Dench. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Do you get any insights into uh, Darcy based on the people who would like to hang out with? Kanye, Russell, Emma? Yeah, that Social we wouldn't conscience. have as much in common as... Like, I'd, I think, again, Russell and Kanye in the same room. Oh, boy. Hard work. Hard to Like, touch. I mean... You'd have to leave them in the corner so you could talk to Emma Watson alone, I think. <laughs> um, favorite team or sports person outside of football? Car racer. Uh, yeah, I was going to say a oh, motor racer, um, uh, considering his Grand Prix answer. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Um, if you won $10 million, what would what's the first thing you'd buy? And for once, he actually sounds like he's spending the money <laughs> appropriately for $10 million. He's not saying a car or a house or something like he would buy... This is a, a rich person's purchase. A boat. Yacht. Something people would be surprised to learn about you. This is surprising. Um, it's a bit of a nerdy fact. That he... He's a fan of a particular franchise. Uh, Twilight. That he loves Twilight. Star Wars. Harry Potter. Big Star Wars fan. Okay. Oh, this is interesting. What was his best? Well, that is about a son and his like uncomfortable relationship with his father. So of course he's attracted. To <laughs> hashtag, that. hashtag free Darcy. By the this way, is... they seem very supportive of each other and very loving. <laughs> this is an interesting one. His best subject at school, and I wouldn't. This is probably the first time any footballer has said this topic, a subject. It's definitely like it's an it's an academic pursuit. It's not like woodshop or anything like that. It's a uh, yeah. It's interesting. Physics? No, it's more on the humanity side of things. History? No. Probably relating to his... I'd say his love of Emma Watson was sparked by his interest in this. English literature. English literature. Interesting, right? 
the name Darcy pops up a lot in English literature. Yeah, that's like true. I think you know, like when they're trying to get kids interested, you'll be going through this. When you're getting your kids interested in reading their own books, there is a range of books where you can get your child's name inserted in the book, so they're like, "Oh, this baby has the same name as me. That's cool." I think that's what Darcy Moore's been doing. He thinks that Mr. Darcy from Wuthering Heights is him. Um, okay, his first car? Holden Commodore. Toyota Camry? What's his usual coffee order? Latte. I don't even know what this is. What's a batch brew? Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe like a, a cold brew? Like a, Maybe it's like a cold brew coffee? Okay. Uh, what's the dream place you'd like to live? Sort of um, relates, relates to being called Darcy. Uh, England? London. That'll do. And what does he want to do in his life after football? This is a rich person's activity. <laughs> Retire. Oh, um, travel. Snow ski. He just wants oh, yeah. to be on the slopes. Just well, that's also New Zealand. That's why he loves yeah, New Zealand. Right. He's probably going skiing in New Zealand. <laughs> Well, that was interesting. I don't think you really got in the mind of Darcy, but I feel like I've, I've learned a lot more about Darcy Moore from that, and I think I quite like him. I think I'd like to hang out with Darcy Moore. I think I feel bad now for bagging him in front of his father. <laughs> uh, now, Will, I apologize to the yeah. listeners. Uh, we're running uh, short today. We can't do a full-length yes. episode, so we can't get to your, your messages. Thank you for sending them through. Uh, and if you want to follow us on socials, you can. It's at Two Guys One Cup AFL on Twitter and Instagram. But I had just one bit of correspondence from um, uh, a listener and sometimes co-host Adam Spencer. Because you might remember last week we were speculating about what kind of coin they use at the toss. And Spence oh, yeah. texted me this little anecdote. So we'll finish on this. Uh, so this is from Adam Spencer. Um, you guys asked last week whether the umps provide the coin for the toss. In 2016, as the number one ticket holder, I got to toss the coin at the Swans' first ever home game, which is round two against Collingwood. I assumed the first game of the season it might be a special occasion uh, and they might have an opening coin or something similar that the umps would use. Boundary side, I asked someone from the Swans if the umps provide a coin. No idea, they said. <laughs> so... I grabbed a 20-cent piece off a dude in the crowd who was happy to oblige. Out in the middle, a handshake with Josh Kennedy, Swoon, and Scott Pendlebury. The umps looked at me, and he says, the ump looks at me and says, so who's got a coin? I say, me. Yeah, of course. The ump says, well, just as well. Last week, the dickhead didn't have one. <laughs> it's like well, the they should tell is... people, though. They yeah, shouldn't I mean... let people know they have to bring one. It shouldn't be a test. <laughs> it's really not. So I calmly tossed the coin, and then I pocketed the 20, and the swan smashed the pies. It was the best night ever. Cheers, Adam Spencer. So how about that? So any, any listeners out there, if you're ever invited to toss the coin, just make sure that you bring one. Otherwise, the umpire is going to have a crack at you. I mean, I would have thought the boot stutter or someone should have a spare coin, just in case. Game I mean, I think the if they can't toss the coin. The punishment should be, if you don't have a coin, they get to give you an arm burn, a typewriter, or a, or a scone on the head. Sorry, mate. Uh, Trent Cotchin's going to hold you down now while the umpire spits in your mouth. This is this is the rules. You didn't bring a coin. Uh, okay, that's two guys, one cup for this week. Uh, again, apologies for the shortened episode. Just things sort of blew up this week. I would promote normally our Instagram live, but I'd say that we're going to do our tips before this episode comes out because I still have to cut this. Yes. Um, but enjoy the football this week. I hope you're staying safe. I know lockdowns are sort of happening all over the country right now. So enjoy the football. We'll be back next week. Play on, not 15. Well... We are two guys, one car.